Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are and whatever part of the day you're in. As always, I sure do appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time. I know y'all have other things that you could be doing, so thank you. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, uh, tell others about it. I'm incredibly grateful for that. For those of y'all that have joined over on Patreon, one of the three different tiers, I hope that you're enjoying the extra podcasts. And I'm immensely grateful for your financial support of the podcast and just support in general and encouragement. As always, also, Lord, thank you for the time to record this podcast for the people that listen to it guide them and their families, guide us as a nation, forgive us our sins individually and as a nation, help us to turn back to you and please guide my words today and each day, help me to speak only the ones that you want me to, your son's name we pray, amen. So, trying to think if there's anything in particular. We're toying with planting some additional fruit trees. Not necessarily to, not, at least the idea wasn't to start with one of these fruit gardens that you hear about, but I suppose that's, that's just a different name for it. Um, Pretty good time to plant those from what I've been told what research I've done, what I've gleaned from my parents' generation and some others. So if you have a little bit of space, you might think about that. If you are in a city, you might think about some of the dwarf varieties. Definitely would be a good thing. Uh, And it takes a few years depending on the size of the plant, right? The the size of the tree that you plant. And so it's definitely something that the more you put off, the longer you're going to take to see the returns, Uh, which is true with most things. It's just, you understand a little different than a vegetable garden. Uh, But as uh, grocery prices continue to rise, it might be useful to have some of your own food. We'll talk about that more later. We'll see what kind of varieties we get. So we're going to talk about a subject today, folks. Um, And I've been toying with this, thinking about it, making some notes, thinking about it some more off and on for uh, months and months, to say the least. And really, I, I think about it quite often just because of my background. It's going to irritate some of y'all, and that's okay. Uh, Some of y'all are not going to agree with me, and that's fine, too. I haven't said it in a while, you know, but even as the podcast grows, or maybe especially as it does, y'all are not all going to agree with me all the time, and and that's okay. I dare say there's nobody in the world that any of us would agree with 100% of the time. Uh, We can't even manage to agree with God and Jesus Christ, and they're right all the time, and we Theoretically, we know they're right all the time, and yet we still want to 
choose the wrong path. Uh, so certainly with a fallible human, we're going to have disagreements. It's a pretty controversial topic, I feel like, that doesn't really get talked about that often because it is the epitome of politically incorrect. And it's not on the same level of abortion as far as numbers, but it certainly has risked and, well, I'll leave it with that for right now, risk lives. And probably out there, there's examples of it costing lives. I just don't have any right in front of me right now. We're going to talk about co-ed combat. And there's a book by that title uh, that as we do these podcasts, and I don't know how many we're going to do right now. We may just do today's, might do a couple days, uh, but it's a topic that we're definitely going to come back to frequently. And I've talked about it briefly, maybe once throughout this podcast. And so this is a little different than our normal because I'm I'm not necessarily tying in directly to uh, a historical quote, although I certainly could tie into a few. And I guess I will tie into a couple. Uh, at any rate, we'll go ahead and get going. Uh, and there's there's a ton here. In fact, we may talk about this book a little bit today and then there's a Wall Street Journal article from a few years back um, that we might go and talk to. But so I'm just going to pull some things out of this book. And today, this is all really from the, the beginning of it. And so, as I said, as we go through this book and other others, then we'll talk about them later. So just a couple things. I was taking notes. The idea, and and this goes along with the whole feminist LGBTQ movement. This is really tied directly into that. The idea that women can only be useful, beneficial of value if they're like men is, is such a degrading comment and it's it's the foundation of the feminist movement the feminists they'll tell you we just want equality for women we want women to be empowered and that's that they can say that all day long but when you look at their actions what they want is they want men and women to be treated the same and the way that they do that is trying to make women like men and so what you're saying implicitly there by your actions, if not explicitly, is the only way to be valuable is to be like a man. So, you know, that completely relegates traditional female roles in war, much less at home, as far as nursing, uh, espionage, 
and, and particularly on the home front, caring for not just children, folks, but when you go back and read, I go back to this couple a lot, John and Abigail Adams, when he was gone for all those years during the Revolutionary War as a diplomat, and it was years, folks, Abigail Adams had to run everything at home. Yes, the children, the education, the rearing of the children, feeding them, etc., absolutely. But she had to run the house, manage the house, manage the property, manage the servants that they had, deal with anything that had to do with that property she had to deal with. I saw this firsthand when I went overseas. Uh, everything immediately became my wife's job. If the air conditioning unit went out, which it did <coughs> catastrophically, she had to deal with that. If there was a problem with the car, she had to deal with that. If there was a problem, we didn't have kids at this point, but she would have had to deal with that. But anything that happened that I normally took care of, everything went onto her plate. And so not only do co-ed units make us weaker, and we're going to talk about that quite a bit, not stronger. We, we double down on this. We make ourselves even weaker because we belittle the jobs that women already are responsible for and this, this burden that they carry in homes and children during a war or when the husband is engaged in war or the military in general. And, and sometimes I'm going to go back and forth when we talk about this, folks, but when you're in the military, you're preparing for war. And one of the mantras in the Marine Corps was train like you fight. And so there's this idea out here, well, you know, when we're training, it doesn't really matter if you have co-ed units because, you know, it's admin or supply or logistics. That is the cancer, the disease that makes us weaker. That's one of them. Because if you, however you practice, that's how you're going to fight. And so if you practice in a unit that, that is inherently weaker, then during war, you're not suddenly going to become stronger. That's like not working out in a, in a professional sport. And then you think when you get in the game, you're actually going to be better somehow than you were when you were training. And so the real sexism here, and then we're going to move into this book, it's, it's not sexist to value these roles that women play. The housewife, the mother, the creating life, the, the taking care of the children, the caring for the husband before the children, the creating a home, nurturing. That's not sexist to value those roles. It's sexist to tell women, that they're not worth anything unless they become like a man and they become a high-powered CEO or they climb that corporate ladder and work in that cubicle all day or they join the military and become exactly like a man and, and force those roles on them. That's sexist. That's bigoted. And that's feminism. So we're going to run through just a few pages. We'll see how long we have today. Uh, just a few quotes out of this book. This is a book called Co-Ed Combat. Uh, 
definitely don't agree with everything in here by any means, folks. But there's so little information out there on this, even though we've been playing this game now for 50 years, give or take. This is one of the more recent and seems to be based on the bibliography and the the research done here seems to be one of the better ones. So, but, you know, if you have more, use them and tell people about them. So in his preface, and this is trying to, the author is Kingsley Brown. who's a professor at Wayne State University in Michigan, former U.S. Supreme Court clerk. And so, anyway, that's the author of this book, Co-Ed Combat. In his preface, he makes this comment at the, near the very beginning, and he says, one of the challenges when you bring up this issue is challenging this co-ed unit policy without belittling or disparaging, he uses that word, the service of, of military women. We've had a ton of women who have served in the past, um, some who serve now and some who will serve in the future that our, our nation should be incredibly grateful to. And, and there's some examples I kind of wish now that I would have pulled from the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. But much like confusing freedom of religion or trying to entangle the argument or the, the right of freedom of religion with the fact that America is a Christian nation, and those are two separate topics, the ability and the fact that women have contributed greatly during wartime in different roles is a completely separate topic from forced integration and making units co-ed in the military. Those are two totally separate topics. Uh, women have been, my great aunt served in World War II. Uh, women have been phenomenal help in treating, caring for the wounded, especially when they get back home stateside. Uh, they've played pivotal roles. It's unarguable in espionage in certain cases, both or in against us. But so, so there are roles. And, and then the biggest role by far based on, on percentage is the role of housewife and, and homemaker that they've played while their husbands were away at, or their fathers, if they were an older teenager and they had to help mom step up and fill that role too, that's the, the most beneficial. If you take the men away and then you try and pretend that all the women are now men, right? And, and you had, obviously you had examples where women had to step in and fill those roles when men left, but they were temporary folks. They weren't permanently to be in those conveyor belt manufacturing style jobs. The, the biggest role was raising the next generation. And unless you're just completely dishonest with yourself, with extremely few exceptions, women fill that role better than men. They're more nurturing. They're more, they're kinder often, more patient with children. And, and they just, they, they have the ability to make 
a house, a place, a home that men simply don't have. And so if you take that role away, you absolutely weaken the nation. There's no possible way for it. That's why the system that we've got set up, which is so socialistic as far as public education, taking children more and more away from mom and dad at home is so detrimental because we're, we're destroying that traditional role of a woman, which is so vital to the country. And so when you talk about this, the, the problems with co-ed integration, that's a completely separate topic than the women uh, serving. And I, one of the interesting things here is that he said, you know, he had to be a real, real careful, this author did, about acknowledging people's contributions because there would be so many repercussions in the military for people that were on active duty or even the reserves if they had found out they contributed to this. Which tells you right there, if you can't talk about a subject openly, then that tells you that that there's some dishonesty there and, and that that it really isn't the truth. So if, if co-ed integration is such a great thing, then we ought to be able to talk about it and discuss it freely and there shouldn't be any replications of that, right? But obviously it's not a good thing because there's so many reprisals and replications. My vocabulary is going away, I'm sorry when people in the military talk about repercussions. There we go. Thank you. Talk about co-ed integration not being a good thing. Quote from George Patton, Wars may be fought with weapons, but they are won by men. It is the spirit of men who follow and the man who leads that gains the victory. And anytime you weaken that unit, folks, you're going to cause problems. So one of the quotes from this first chapter, the desire to do the, quote, right thing, end quote, providing greater opportunities for women has too often prevailed over the goal of doing the smart thing, forging the strongest military possible. Sexual integration of the military jeopardizes the operation of the military in ways that are not fully appreciated. The main two goals in the Marine Corps were mission accomplishment, troop welfare. And in order to do that, you had to really focus on uh, good order and discipline in that unit. Co-ed units, based on the way that God made men and women, inherently are weaker than non-co-ed units because you bring in not just the physical disparities, the psychological the sexual tension. And so you're adding variables in a situation where you want to decrease variables, right? The full consequences, the author says later on, the full consequences of even the integration that has occurred so far will not be felt until we face an enemy that more closely matches our own strength. I, I've said this to people for years. There was a, another saying that we had in the military, the, the road doesn't get any shorter and the pack doesn't get any lighter simply because we want it to, simply because we think it should, simply because it's the, quote, right thing to do to give women these opportunities. There's no right, folks, to serve in the military. That may come as a shock to some of you, but simply because you're an American citizen doesn't mean that you have the right to serve in the military. 
just like simply because you want to come to the United States, it doesn't mean you have the right to come into the United States, especially not illegally as an illegal immigrant. There's no right to that. If, if you don't serve the best interests of that country, right, then the country has no response. Any country has no responsibility to let you in as an immigrant. If you are not making the military stronger, you have no right to be part of it. That's why we have standards, or we used to, right? And, and men, let's just take men for a second. If you didn't meet those standards, you couldn't stay in the military. And so it's not sexist to have a standard and not just a physical standard, but a psychological standard. What makes the unit better as a whole? What increases good order and discipline? What allows that unit to be able to better execute their orders to achieve mission accomplishment and, and troop welfare? Well, co-ed units don't do that. In fact, they violate every single one of those tenets. And so there's, there's no justification. You're not doing the right thing. So that whole argument is false. You're doing the wrong thing. You're making the unit weaker. You're making the nation more vulnerable. And, and not just in that military unit, you're making it weaker at home because you're taking those women away from that role that is so pivotal, so imperative in raising that next generation. That doesn't even begin to address all the issues about what it does to the national psyche if a woman gets captured and raped and beaten. Right? So, I think, looked at time, we'll come back and go through a few more pages tomorrow. And depending on how long that takes us, we may talk about that little Wall Street Journal article for just a little bit. And we won't stay on it for more than a, the next day, folks. We'll, and we may skip a couple of days and then come back to it later. We'll see. But we are going to come back to this topic often because there are so many people that don't have the ability to talk about it, that experienced it or are experiencing, experiencing it active duty, right? It's become this taboo topic that you can't discuss. And it's been that way for years and years. And I'll throw in my own little tidbits of my experience. As we go through, but it's just one of the numerous issues that we have going against us in this country. And it does go back, just like everything else, to God. God created male and female in his own image, right? If, if we were supposed to be the same, then God would have just created one. God just created male, end of story, right? Which is who he created first. And then he looked at Adam and he said, hey, you need to help me. You need somebody to encourage you, to support you, to walk through this life with you. So we're going to make Eve, right? And the other way is true, too. If, if all we needed were women, then God would have just made Eve to start with and been like, yep, that's it. We're done. But that's not what happened. And so when we try and pretend that we can make men and women the same and make them interchangeable in these roles and these jobs throughout our world and our country, we just destroy it. All goes back to God, folks. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. Thank y'all so much for listening again. For those of y'all who share, for those of y'all who are on Patreon and continue to support the, the podcast, I'm incredibly grateful.
God bless y'all. God bless your families again. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon. Looking forward to it.